You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Sean Castrina. He's a serial entrepreneur who started more than 20 companies and currently running nine of them. His newest book, The World's Greatest Business Plan, helps people by providing a simple step-by-step plan for those who cannot afford to fail. He's contributed to some of the most recognized media outlets, including Forbes, Yahoo Finance, MSNBC, as well as a guest lecturer at some of America's finest colleges. Welcome to the show, Sean. Welcome. Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you for joining me. Listen, today we're going to talk about something that I think is always relevant, but even maybe even more relevant than ever with what's going on in the world today, and that is branding, right? Because, you know, I think branding is that moat that any successful business can build around themselves to help differentiate themselves from the competition. And brands have a tendency to survive these types of, you know, black swan events versus just the traditional what you might call a business or a product oh, or service. So, yeah, absolutely. so just to tease everybody, we're going to talk about seven reasons why you better get your branding right. But before we do that, give us a one or two minute intro and a little backstory yeah. about yourself and then we'll dive right in. Yeah. You know, I was in graduate school, had my dream job and, and overnight got let go because they had a leadership change. The CEO of the organization was 70 and the transition literally happened kind of overnight and got invited into a meeting where I was let go. And at that point, I kind of was like, you know, you kind of visualize how your life's going to work itself out and, and it got altered. So right then I knew that I would never be dependent on a paycheck again. I literally in that meeting made that decision. I could hear it in my head. And from there, I started started starting companies and I've started more than 20. And then, you know, about geez, 10 years ago, I was on a beach vacation with my buddies from college and I started writing out, you know, things I wish I would have known when I first started my businesses. And and that became my first book, The Eight Unbreakable Rules for Business Startup Success. And, you know, and since then I've written other books. And the business plan book just kind of fascinated me because I was basically start a business every year and I still write business plans. And my each business warrants a different level of a business plan. But just for kicks and giggles, because this, you know, I ordered every book on the first page of Amazon, every one of them, one to, all the way down. And one was worse than the next. Oh, they were complicated. They were outdated. They were written by professors that I know had never started a business. And so, you know, it, it got me to, you know, spend three months writing the world's greatest business plan and, and it's going to be out <laughs> May 1st. And then, so that's kind of what precipitated everything. Love it. Perfect. So tell us a little bit about the book itself, the world's greatest business plan. So, I mean, is it more of a how-to? Is it more of a 50,000 foot view? Is it, does it get a little it's bit more granular. granular? It's granular in a fun way in that I took the 25 questions that you need to answer. You know, example, the typical business plan book tells you about doing a financial projection, okay? And right. they'll spend an entire chapter on a, a pre- financial projection is for maybe a witch doctor or somebody who can 
can read minds because I've never ever in more than 20 companies have ever done a financial projection that either I made as much money as I thought or I didn't make near enough money. In other words, it was never right. It can never be right. It's completely a myth that you can do a financial projection on a startup business. If anybody can tell me how they know how much money they're going to bring in, in the first month, second month, or the first two years, I want to meet that person because they're a pathological liar or they can they got a, you know, a magic ball in front of them. I'd have to agree. And, it's, and, and starting numerous companies myself, and not only that, but investing in other people's business plans and ideas, yeah. I promise you those, never, those numbers never They're line up. Never. Yeah. So I work back that you're not going to make any money. Okay. You know, let's kind of be realistic. Let's set a budget and everything we make on that is great. But I, I work in there where I tell them, listen, you, this is a number you don't have the answer to. Okay. You don't. The only thing you have an answer to are two things, how much money you're bringing to this startup and how much of a runway you're going to have based on your cost to engage and your cost to continue. So I do the business plan based on reality. They're the only two numbers you actually have. So all you have is a runway, whether you can be in business 60 days, 90 days, 120 days, whatever. These are the two constants. Everything else is a myth. So I actually go through the 25 questions that you need to answer. And more importantly, I tell them, listen, this business plan is not designed to tell you to go into business. You may reach question number seven and decide not to go into business. And if we achieve that, I accomplished every bit as much value as you starting a business. I do business plans all the time where the idea seems great in my head or great when I'm bantering it around. And then when we go through the business plan process, I understand the competition's too good, the price to manufacturers too expensive. I can't put the team on the field in my area. It's too hard to get this level of a tech person in central Virginia. Uh, you know, so a business plan, it's great if you get through all 25 questions and man, it lines up. We're going to do this thing. It can, it can work. I like that to happen. But I would tell you in one third of my business ideas, I never got to 25 because before I got there, it revealed to me that this wasn't a business that I think I should go forward with. Hey there, sorry to interrupt this episode in progress, but I have something really cool to share with you and I promise to keep it brief. I've decided to give away $100 this week to one of my growth experts listeners. Yep, that could be you. Here's all you have to do in order to qualify for the giveaway. Take a screenshot of your phone or any device for that matter showing that you're subscribed to my growth experts podcast and then text it to 716-218-8981. Again, that's 716-218-8981. This will get you entered into the contest and a chance to win the $100 just for listening. Number two, for more entries to win, for more chances to win, simply share any episode of My Growth Experts podcast on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, or even Twitter, but you have to tag me at Ask Dennis Brown in order for it to count as another entry. The more shares, the more entries. Okay, guys, that's it. For full details on this contest, Go to askdennisbrown.com forward slash contest. Now let's get back to the show. No, that's perfect. And listen, and just so everybody's listening here, if you stick around to the end, Sean is going to make an offer where you guys have an opportunity to get this book for free. Okay. It's going to be released soon if it's not already released, but you guys are going to get a chance. So hang around to the end here. Right now, we're going to dive into seven reasons why you better get branding right. So we're a little bit short on time. So dive in, pull this apart and let's see where we can get. Great. And I talk about branding. One thing even really quickly in the business plan is I spend more time about your marketing plan than any part of the business plan, which I've never seen in a business plan book. Let me let you know a quick statistic. Businesses go out of, you know, businesses go out of business for one reason, 99% of the time, 
they don't sell enough of their products. You look at every business that's ever gone out of business, Blockbuster Video, JCPenney, Sears, their sales went down. So marketing is critical. So with that being said, I put a lot of energy on branding because I believe branding is the one thing you got to get right. And there's seven reasons why. And branding is just how people can identify your company next to your competitor. When you walk down the aisle of a grocery store, why do you pick up Special K as opposed to Cheerios? You can look at the two and you know the difference. If you go to buy tennis shoes, you know the difference between Nike and Adidas. Okay, so all it is is an identifier. And there's two different identifiers. There's a physical identifier, you know, logo, tagline, all that. And then there's reputation. Whether you like him or you don't like him, Trump branded himself for 40 years. And that's why he won the election. He branded himself. He created a perception in people's mind, good or bad, that made 63 million people vote for him. That's That's branding. So why do I think you better get branding right? First reason why is it provides direction in all your marketing. Too many small businesses, they advertise, which is great. All advertising is just one of your arrows in your quiver, you know, but marketing is your entire strategy. It's your whole battle plan. I tell people, marketing is your battle plan. You know, your submarines, your airplanes, you know, your missiles, they're tactics. So if you don't understand from day one what you want your brand to be for your company, it's impossible to effectively market it. Yeah. And I think so people got, get, I think people get confused yeah. on the whole marketing concept now, as opposed to branding, as opposed to offline versus online, kind of old school, new school, because there's so many different ways to market yourself. There's all these tactics and all these channels, right? Absolutely. But the concept yeah, of branding vehicles. is the same. Absolutely. And I'm just saying to you is you start with a brand, you start, and I'll tell people, Listen, let me just, I'm going to give you the easiest way to brand your company if you're trying to start it. I've just had a meeting a few minutes ago with one of the startups I'm involved in. If you don't know how to brand, just if you answer this question, you're going to be great at branding. What one promise if you could make to your target customer that would make them fall in love with you and chase after your business, what one promise would you make? I mean, if you could make a promise and your target customer heard it, they would love your company and chase after your business. That's what your brand is. That's it. If you want to know what a brand, it works in every scenario. You want to be an electrical company. Okay. What do people want? Well, they probably love for you to be able to get there within 24 hours, not have, you know, rates, you know, over and above after 5 PM, experience people, whatever it is, make any promise in your business. Every great business makes a bold promise. And then you reverse engineer everything from that bold promise. Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's a question every business, whether you're a startup or not, should ask. Yeah, I mean, you look at Geico. Well, listen to me. Give us 15 minutes. We'll save you 15% on your car insurance. There's their brand. They have said it a thousand different ways, but that's been the pitch for 20 years. Yep. Yeah. Good point. Very good point. What about number two? Number two is if you have your brand, you know what you want to be, it'll help you provide your mission, which is your core purpose, why you want to be in business, and it'll fulfill your vision, who you want to you know, what you want to achieve. Think about it. We'll reverse engineer it using BMW. BMW's brand position is they want to be the ultimate driving machine. Well, clearly their core purpose is to engineer and it's in all their, if you look at their commercials, they put a lot of emphasis on the level of engineering that they do. And their vision is simple. We want to be the ultimate driving machine. 
So their brand, again, the ultimate driving machine, it fulfills their vision to be the ultimate driving machine and it fulfills their mission, well, to accomplish our core purpose to be the ultimate driving machine. We've got to have the best engineering, the best mechanics, the best parts, the most ergonomical, the prettiest looking car. It fulfills everything. So once you have this end destination and it doesn't always have to be like high quality. Think about this, McDonald's, when you think of their brand, it is Quick food, consistent food, low price. There's their brand. It's the most used restaurant. It's the most successful restaurant in the world. And it has nothing to do with being high quality necessarily or big price. The point is they took a brand position. Quick food, consistent at a low price. There you go. There's McDonald's. Yep. Love it. And you got me with the BMW example. I'm a big BMW fan. I had a 750 for like five or six years. So I love it. I got a, I got an M4 18 feet from where I'm sitting. So yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and if you drive one, you know why you paid the money and it's worth it. Yep. Absolutely. Number so three. That's the mission. Number cool. three, it is by far your most effective sales force. Example, we just talked about, you know why I've owned seven BMWs? For one, I fell in love with a BMW before I ever owned one because I saw commercials. They talked about it being the ultimate driving machine. It was classy. It created in my mind, the second part of branding, in my mind, it had a reputation for quality. And, and if you were affluent and you did well, you drove a Mercedes and or a BMW. So it's just a matter of what type of car you like. Mercedes has a certain look. BMW has a certain look. Different yeah, I, I, same way. I remember growing up the exact same thing. I, I would see BMWs. And it just, it always, I always knew it was on the bucket list. Exactly. So I knew when I reached this much of an income plateau that I would buy a BMW. I was sold. When I went into the BMW showroom, it wasn't whether I was going to buy one. It was just which one was I going to buy? That's what branding does. It sells potential customers before they ever meet you. They're sold on your reputation. You've, you're already credible. You've already established an expectation. McDonald's, good or bad, you know what you're getting. If you walk away pissed off, shame on you. You were getting a French fry and a burger for under three bucks. You know, you know, I mean, it's established. You know, it just, it's your 24 seven sales force if you do it right. It'll overcome skepticism. It differentiates you from your competition. Branding does right by far is your most effective sales force. Love it and totally agree. What about number four? Number four, it sets your cultural standard. Think about this for a second. If my culture, I'll give you an example. I own a home improvement empire. I joke that I'm like the Pablo Escobar of construction. We take money out and pick in duffel bags. So our culture, our brand is to be the leader in home repairs and projects. So audience, just picture that in your head. We're the leader in home repairs and projects. So for us to do that, we have to have a wide array of services to our homeowners because we want to be able to be their leader in home repairs and projects. And for the be the leader, we've got to provide exceptional craftsmanship. So that's in our mission statement. Well, culturally, I've got to hire people that could fulfill this. So our cultural standard in our office is, man, we love our customers. We will go out of their way for our customers. I will literally have my staff on their way. I've had secretarial staff on their way home, go buy a senior's house to install a light bulb for free because they can't reach it because our customers have come to expect that. So even though I have craftsmen that would do that, my female staff who are incredible would do that. I literally, I said, well, you know, whatever happened with this call one day, I was looking through all the call sheets. She, oh, I, I did it on my way home. There was no reason to send one of our handymen. That's yeah, that's cultural. amazing. I mean, imagine how powerful that could be in any, inside of any organization if they adopted the brand culture internally. And it, 
I mean, that's what great companies do. I mean, that's Apple, that's Zappos. Microsoft, that's BMW. Zappos in, yeah, Zappos. Listen to me. Amazon paid a billion dollars for Zappos for one reason. Look it up. Their culture. They were fascinated by the team that their CEO had put together. Their entire culture was customer-centric. And Amazon bought that company for that one reason. Love it. What's number five? Number five. It talked about culture, but now it gives you the blueprint for your staffing. Let's go back to BMW. Obviously, BMW is not hiring people that are entry-level assembly line people. They're not hiring entry-level mechanics, okay? You're creating the ultimate driving machine. In my business, if I'm, I'm trying to be the leader in home repairs and projects, well, it dictates my staff. I don't hire anyone with less than 10 years experience in, across all our companies in home service. They have to have a minimum of 10 years experience, okay? Number two is I talk about we would never put anybody in our home. We would never put anybody in your home that we wouldn't put in our home. We do background checks, okay? We say that we're going to give you, you know, a customer experience, you know, better than you're expecting. Craftsmanship that exceeds your expectations. So we've got to have the best staff. So when we run ads in the, you know, to get our staffing for our people across all our services, we got to find the best people. So we can't just go on Craigslist sometime and go, hey, we'd love to have a handyman or, oh, do you do roofing? One out of every 10 people would meet our blueprint for both our culture and what our customers have come to expect from us. So when we're sitting down in an interview, we know that just, you know, nine out of 10 people will never be good enough to A, meet our culture, and B, be able to perform at the level that our customers pay us for. No, so I love it, that. It, I, love, I love how you tied that together. I mean, I think that you know, it really does set the parameters for the type, of, you know, the type of, if the quality of your product is going to be at a high level, then the quality of your team and your staff have got to be that level or higher. There's just no way they're going to deliver. You know, there's just no possible way they're going to deliver for that client. You know, they're going to be underwhelmed. And this is the thing. It doesn't mean you have to always be high end. I eat at McDonald's probably three times a week. I never plan on it, but darn, it somehow happens where I pick up something, an egg McMuffin in the morning or whatever. But again, they, what is their staffing requirement? Can you breathe and read? In other words, they take a 16-year-old. I don't think working at McDonald's is a bad idea for any 16-year-old. But they can take somebody fresh, build out the application, and an hour later, they can find a place within their structure where that person has value. So again, your brand will dictate your staffing, and it can be as basic as a McDonald's, okay? Or it can go all the way. Then you think of Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is a different staff. Okay, we can't, you know, it might be controversial, but go into a Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A has a certain level of staff, and if you've ever experienced it, you know what I'm talking about. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Okay. Because if they look like they just came out of Sunday school class. Yeah. Number six. Yeah. Number six, it'll provide guardrails. Example, if you create this brand, look, it just happened. UFC, let's put two competing brands, UFC, Ultimate Fighting Championship, Dana White, great. I think one of the best CEOs in America. He was hell bent on having UFC 249, but he has a partnership regarding streaming and pay-per-view with Disney, McDonald's, the I mean, I'm sorry, you know, Disney with Mickey. There we go. There it is. Mickey. So there's a reputation with Disney. It's going to be family friendly. You never see a Disney movie that's vulgar. You never see a Disney movie that pushes the envelope because it's called Disney friendly. It has to fit under that umbrella of the Disney brand. So when Disney stepped in, they protected their brand. The guardrails, they said, UFC, we are not having a UFC 249. Nowhere because their brand is, we are family. 
We value family. And it would have been a contradiction of brands. And UFC stepped down. And for those of you that might be confused, that that's because, am I correct, Sean? That's because yeah. ESPN owns, or Disney owns yeah, ESPN. Disney owns, exactly. Yeah, yeah because UFC yeah. has an ESPN contract for streaming and for UFC exactly, content. Exactly, and their pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah, and they're owned by Disney. So that makes total sense. Yeah, so there's an example of conflicting brands. But the Disney brand, the big umbrella, you know, the, the 100-year-old brand by Walt Disney over, you know, basically took precedent. A great example is when Coca-Cola 30 years ago tried to launch New Coke real quickly. They launched it. It was an abysmal failure and they yanked it immediately because they'd spent 70 years establishing the reputation of Coke. So, you know, it'll provide guardrails. It sets a standard of what people expect of your product and your reputation, again, in the Disney UFC situation. And then finally, number seven, it will become your most valuable asset. What I'm saying here is, is that let's look at brands. Coca-Cola is worth $80 billion. They don't have more than $25 billion in assets. You're paying about, you know, what, about 55. If you want to buy, you're paying about $55 billion for what that, because when you walk down an aisle, you know the difference between a Coke and every other brand in the world. Starbucks, think about Starbucks. Not only can you buy their coffee retail now, but then you go in a grocery store and you look at all these brands. And when you see the Starbucks brand, you buy it. So that visual image, that brand that Starbucks has created has tremendous value. That's what's made Warren Buffett, you know, the greatest investor in the world. He has bought the most, he believes the most identifiable brands out there. Let me just give you quick, seven of his holdings and every one of us know that their brand, Geico. Okay. We talked about it, you know, 15 minutes, we'll save you 15% of your car insurance. He owns Coca-Cola, tons and Coke. Dairy Queen, okay, you know, ice cream, Duracell, batteries, Benjamin Moore, paints, net jets, jet leasing, Fruit of the Loom, underwear, every single one of those brands, you know, are major holdings that, you know, obviously Berkshire Hathaway have, and they're all established brands because in the 1960s, he realized that brand value when he bought American Express at the time, it was never reflected in the P&L statement. In other words, there was never a line item that said, the brand has value. And he said, well, golly day, if, if one out of every three people will naturally purchase from this brand, that has value. But it was never reflected in P&L statements back then. So he bought up brands, bought up Coke in the 1980s like crazy. And so now we're all very familiar with brands. But if you build a brand, it's easier for you to sell your company. Even if it's a local company, if customers recognize your restaurant above others, you've built a brand and that has value and it will make selling it a lot easier. So it will become your most valuable asset, number seven. And these are the seven reasons why I think branding you need to get right from day one when you start your business. And if you don't have it right, you need to rebrand or or, or get back focused on your brand. Yeah. And it's easier to, it's easier to make these decisions early on and as you start to learn, you know, what the market's doing than it is to pivot later you know, six Absolutely. months or a year. Rebranding is very expensive. Yeah. Rebranding is very difficult. And so, so listen, is there anything else you want to add about the branding component? I got a couple more questions and we're going to wrap it up for today. Yeah. No, I just think, listen, people, if you can't answer this one question, what one promise are you, have you made to your customer, to your target customer that you're fulfilling? If you can't answer that question, if there's not one promise that you could fulfill, if you could just be this one thing, to your target customer, they would chase you down for business. If you can't answer that question, or if the answer to that question doesn't really bring people 
clamoring for your business. You're just extremely average. You really need to work on improving your brand, which you can do. Yeah, I love it. But, well, listen, I wish we had more time. I'm going to ask yeah. two rapid fire questions yeah. and then we'll wrap it up for today. You know, from an entrepreneurial perspective, what's your favorite growth tool or software, an app, maybe a SaaS product or something that you use on a regular basis that helps you grow your business? You know, I'd be fibbing because my entire staff handles all that. So I would be, I personally am not involved in any of that granular. I handle the marketing of our company and the staffing and pulling together the partners. So I, I would be fibbing. I wouldn't give you a great answer. Gotcha. Is so there I, any I, particular I would, marketing tool that you, that you guys lean on as an organization? You know, I mean, we, we obviously I own Gig Strategic. So all of our digital marketing goes through a company that, that I'm a partner in. And obviously, you know, we work with, you know, obviously Facebook, we do all our digital marketing and our ads through that. And then we have SEO. And, and so my partner, James, and that whole team handles that. So Gig Strategic is who, who we use. And, and, and that's why I invested in that company because I didn't understand, to give you a great answer to your question, actually, I was asked this question three years ago. I didn't know anything about digital marketing. I knew everything about traditional marketing and I felt lost. So I had all my relationships with marketing companies come to my office one day and pitch me one after another. And at the end of the day, one guy who worked for one of those companies stood out and he had worked with fortune 500 companies. And when he left the meeting, I took his business card. I called him the next day and I said, James, in the next three years, you're either going to come work for me or you're going to be my business partner. He said, I thought you were insane, Sean. That year I called him that summer and I said, listen, I want to send your family on a vacation. He said, well, why? I said, remember what I told you after we met? I sent his family to Disney World. It's a true story. And now two years later, we're business partners in, in an incredible digital marketing company. But he handles all that for me. So I'd be fibbing to you. Love it. Okay. There's a good story out of it. Yep. Perfect. Besides your book, what would be one book you would recommend to the audience? I'm a fan. It's old. Think and Grow Rich is still the greatest entrepreneurial book ever written, period. I don't even think it's close. Love it. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, Sean, let everybody know how they can connect with you, yeah. learn more about this book, The World's Greatest yeah. Business Plan, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Yeah. Listen, you can obviously find me at seancastrina.com and, and that's great. But more than anything, through these tough times, I, I want to give my book away, period. So even though it'd be nearly $20 on Amazon, if you go to worldsgreatestbusinessplan.com, you know, slash free book, again, worldsgreatestbusinessplan.com slash free book, you're going to get 151 page book. I mean, this isn't one of them $30 ebook. I mean, 30 page ebooks where we try to sell you anything. We're not going to sell you anything. You're getting this book. It's digital. You're going to be able to type out your business plan. I have a bonus chapter in there, how to pitch your business plan to investors. It's in, an incredible chapter. I added a few chapters that I just, if I could personally mentor a startup, you know, um, founder, what advice would I give them? I give them, there's one chapter in there, like the the seven golden rules of a startup. Like if I could sit with you for an hour, please do these seven things. So I put some nuggets at the end of that, this business plan book that doesn't exist in any other business plan book. So get your copy at worldsgreatestbusinessplan.com slash backslash free book. Love it. And I'll make sure I put those uh, links in the show notes. I really, really appreciate you, you coming today. Wish we had more time to chat, but I'm sure we'll be talking again real soon. Great. I appreciate being a guest. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.